Well, good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here with Business, The Law and You. And we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. But later in the program, we're going to have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. One of them is uh, read the situation to know how to motivate people. We're also having our chat, our chat uh, Minute on Innovation with Christina. We're going to look at a couple of innovative products. One of them is a headband for depression and another one is uh, car tyres that don't wear out or need maintenance, uh, which sound very interesting. But right now we're going to cross over to Baker Love Lawyers and have a chat with Matt Wicks about what you need to know about guarantees. Good afternoon, Matt. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, and thanks once again for joining us. That's uh, uh, not a problem. So I, I suppose the first question we need to ask for our listeners who may not be completely understand what we're talking about, what is a guarantee? Um, well, a guarantee is a promise um, by a party, which is usually a natural person, but sometimes also a company. Um, and this person's known as a guarantor. And this promise is uh, to meet the obligations, such as payment of monies um, of another party, um, when that entity fails to do so. Um, now, the importance of this is that um, most businesses are operated via a company or a trust. Um, and so, as you'd be aware, that at law, directors and shareholders um, are separate legal entities from that of the company. Hmm. So, so uh, operating a business means that individual directors and shareholders have protection of the corporate veil, um, as it's known around legal circles. And... Um, Personal guarantees are usually the best way to get around that. So what are the common situations where we might encounter a guarantee and, and what would we be covering in that guarantee? Uh, well, look, um, some of the more common types of agreements where you'll see a guarantee include things like leases, um, credit applications, uh, loan agreements, things like that. And um, what's in those guarantees really is, that's a great question, um, and it really depends on which side of the fence you're sitting on. So... Uh, if you're the creditor in that situation, um, so you're offering to provide the other party with goods on credit, for example, um, you should seek a personal guarantee from the company directors. Um, and often in practice we see the situation where um, a business will take a massive hit, um, and this can run into the tens of thousands of dollars um, if a corporate creditor goes into insolvency. Um, so if your standard terms and conditions contain personal guarantee clauses, um, and this document is completed, you might be able to recover the short the shortfall from the directors in a personal capacity. So, so what should be done if a creditor has requested that you give a personal guarantee? Um, well, the best option would be to try and avoid the guarantee um, <laughs> if possible. Um, and you can offer alternatives um, to get yourself personally out of the situation, such as um, a bank guarantee um, or a parent or subsidiary company guarantee. Um, but if, you, if your hands are tied behind your back and you can't get out of it, um, you can certainly look to limit the guarantee so it only applies whilst you're a director of the company. Um, you can cap the amount of the guarantee, um, limit the time that the guarantee applies for. So, for instance, if you had a lease um, with an option period at the end of it, perhaps limit the guarantee to the um, first term of the lease and not the option period. Um, you can also make the guarantee only in favour of the party you were dealing with and not to any assigned parties. Um, and you can also make it a condition of the guarantee that a principal must be pursued first. So how amenable are uh, cre uh, creditors to this negotiation? Oh, it really depends who you're dealing with, I guess. Um, 
some some of them are the bigger corporations are pretty strict with their terms and um, and conditions on entering guarantees and um, so it's really a case by case basis and it obviously um, changes if you're sitting on the other side of the fence as well. So, so so do you have any procedural tips for managing guarantees that you've entered into? Well, uh, I, yes. I mean, one of the most fertile areas of litigation that we see is um, commercial lawyers. It surrounds guarantees. And um, there's some simple procedures you can have in place in your business to really um, make sure you're on top of them. Um, I guess the biggest one, if I had to narrow it down, would be to keep a register of um, any personal guarantees that you've given. So, I mean, it's it's very easy to lose track of what guarantees you've given um, and what the terms of those guarantees are. So, I mean, in the event, in the event of financial difficulty of a company um, or of an individual, a register is a pretty useful tool to um, give to your advisors um, to assess the position um, moving forward, I guess. So that, that would be my biggest tip. So I suppose with a register, you'd make sure not only have you... Have you documented uh, who you've written, signed the guarantees with, but probably the amount of exposure, dollar times, that you would have. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The more detail you can bear to include in that register, I guess the, um, the better it is and the more practical um, use it is. So, so you mentioned earlier that uh, you could limit it if you for the period when you're only a director of that particular company, what would I do if I had entered into some personal guarantees as a director, but now I cease being a director of that company? Uh, well, that's, that's one we actually see quite a lot where um, someone has left a company and um, they've failed to attend to the personal guarantee and uh, now it's being pursued by a creditor. So you've got to make sure that you're on top of this and remove any old guarantees that you've given. So um, when you've given a personal guarantee, um, it has, you need to make sure that it has no connection with your continued relationship um, with the company. So it's a total separate thing to the company. And um, even if you've got nothing to do with that company moving forward, the creditor um, years later can come along and um, rely upon it unless you take steps to remove it. So um, as a practical point of view, um, you should probably just, um, at the end of any director um, period, you should probably just write to every creditor that you've given a guarantee to, um, formally withdraw any guarantees as at a specific date, and make sure that you contain, um, obtain a confirmation of that withdrawal from the creditor. Um, and that can obviously be a pretty complicated matter, so um, often it helps if you get some advice on the way. And I presume this is where your register of guarantees come in? Absolutely right. Yeah, they, they, they really do work hand-in-hand hand in, in that situation. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time and helping us to understand guarantees a bit more. We'll have a chat with you again another time. Not a problem. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Matt Wicks there from Baker Love Lawyers. What we need to know about guarantees, just be careful. And uh, his best advice, of course, uh, if you can get away with it, don't sign one. Time to pop over to Christina and have some more innovative knowledge. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. I like that. In more innovative knowledge. <laughs> can you in a gullet? Wouldn't it be interesting if we could actually innovate our brains? Which, by the way, potentially we can. I was just going to say, but, our brains are innovative, aren't they? Well, well, they are. But they're even looking at they're, they're, 
idea of the nano robots um, being embedded in the brains is becoming more and more uh, frequently talked about. People are actually working on it. And I was reading this morning about a, um, somebody who's put the Opal card chip in the side of their hand. Yeah, and I saw that on TV that last night. Oh, Bizarre, yeah. isn't it? Anyway, what 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 will be possible? We don't know. It's mind-boggling. I think I'll leave my brain alone. My brain's good enough. I just use it. More. <laughs> I like that. I love that. That's great. <laughs> so we're going to talk about some innovative products today, and one of them is uh, headbands for depression. Yeah. So you know how we say that that things come things come from necessity. Um, it, this has originated out of Korea where uh, there is a high rate of suicide and a lot of social stigma around mental health, mental health issues, depression, etc. So what they've discovered is, well, they've created a product called Y-Brain, a, a young local startup that has created this product, and they're hoping that that's going to turn the whole idea um, of depression and the social stigma around. There's, uh, it will deliver what they're calling transcranial direct current stimulation to the frontal lobe of the brain because there's decreased activity in the brain's frontal lobe and that's where we believe um, the association with depression is. So with the headband delivering a small stream of, of electricity to the region, they believe that this is going to, to stimulate the area. Um, it's, it's sent through a saline-soaked absorbent pad um, that's on the, on the forehead. So you kind of think... This is all sounding very familiar, you know, with the mm. whole electric shock syndrome that, that used to happen, you know, a, a, not that long ago, actually, yeah. probably a decade, two decades ago. Um, part of the appeal for the people in this in this country is that it can be used at home. Therefore, you're avoiding the stigma of mental health treatment, so you actually don't have to leave the house, go to a mental health clinic, anything like that, because apparently the social stigma around um, depression like mm. that is quite high. Mm. But... They're looking at it um, as a as a home based um, electrical stimulation of that frontal lobe where they believe um, depression is is happening. So watch that space for for developments around there. And I like the idea of the next one: uh, car tires that don't wear out or need maintenance. Yes, yeah, so it's a concept tire at the moment by by Michelin, and what they're working on uh, it's a three D printed um, tire. And they're saying that when the when the tread wears out, all you're going to have to do is like reprint the extra bits uh, from the from your computer. So there you go. There'll be a, a tie that, or maybe not your computer. Maybe you need to go to a, a larger computer to do it. Um, but you'll be printing 3D printing tires. You can customize the tires for different seasons. It's made out of natural and biodegradable materials. The, the material that they're actually going to use to print the tire. So again, when you think about the the I mean, it takes about 200 years for the rubber tyres <laughs> to break down. Yeah. And, but they're, they're doing some um, quite remarkable things with those as well as in using them for, um, for floor mats. So it's something like 2,000 footsteps or 20,000 footsteps before walking over these mats that are made out of recyclable tyres before the actual mat wears out. So, but it, it's quite a long period of time for the breakdown of the rubber tyres. So this... Having these tyres made of natural and biodegradable materials is fantastic. They won't go flat because they're they're 3D printed, so they're fairly solid. Um, and as you need as you need to replace them, you can just reprint them. So we're almost going back to the solid car tyres when cars were first invented. Yeah, isn't that that's two things <laughs> we've had that are going backwards in time, but with new processes and new innovative thoughts around them. So there you go. There's a lot to be learnt from the past. The the third thing I've got for you today. So we've 
cancer on the increase and they believe that, you know, in the not-too-distant future, one in two people will suffer some form of cancer. Scientists have now discovered a way to burn, what they're saying, burn the legs off cancer. So the, the part of the cancer that, that reaches out and mutates to other cells and, and pollutes other cells, what they're trying to do there is use laser-heated gold nanorods to disable the mechanism that the cancer cells use to spread to other sites. Mm. So you know, that what that will do is, is actually quite mind-boggling. And to, the fact that, that not only are they getting down to the tiniest cell, but they're getting down to the tiniest cell, its legs that reach out, um, is quite phenomenal. So the gold rods are going to inhibit transportation mechanisms in two ways. They're going to, um, they'll be armed with molecules um, that are attracted and trapped trap the cellular machinery that cause the overproduction of the bits in the cell that, that create the mutations. Uh, and because they'll be heated with very low energy laser, infrared light, they believe that that's what will burn, or they're working on now, burning those legs, as they're calling them, off the cancer cells so that they can't spread, which will be quite phenomenal, you know. And, and whether this is how we're going to treat cancer in the end, whether it is yes, going to come back to a small thing, I don't know, but, mm. you know, the inroads that we're making into that are, are, are quite phenomenal. And the beauty of this is that it's not a medicated thing, so we don't need to go through the oh, whole waiting process, testing on animals, testing on humans before it becomes available. So we'll see where this goes. Fantastic. So um, we've always got needs and wants, and there's always innovation to try and solve it, isn't there? Yeah, and there's you know, three things, three innovative products that we've spoken about this morning, all centred around needs and wants. Mm. Different, you know, tyres are always going flat, always replacing, but just that longevity and the breakdown and the pollution that comes out of the, you know, the rubber tyres. South Korea need, want the, the stigma around um, mental health issues in that country. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's not many people that haven't been touched by cancer, particularly in the Western world. Sure. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Christina. We'll have a chat with you next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with some interesting uh, products and uh, it's certainly interesting to keep up with uh, what's happening out there and some of these uh, great ideas that come as a result of trying to fix some of our challenges. Time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips. Uh, This one here is read the situation to know how to motivate people. Keeping employees motivated is one of the most important responsibilities of a manager. To do this, make sure you're using the right motivational tools at the right time. Keep these guidelines in mind. First of all, feedback. To enhance commitment, offer positive feedback when an employee is just getting started on a project. Solicit negative feedback toward the finish line to highlight any slow progress. Secondly, goal setting. Focus on the work that's being done at the beginning of the project and focus on how much more work needs to be done near the end to avoid frustration. And finally, incentives. Immediate rewards, such as a bonus, are more effective in increasing motivation. Use extrinsic incentives, such as money, to motivate at the beginning of a project and use intrinsic incentives, such as job satisfaction, to keep people persistent towards the end of the project. So motivation is always a big challenge, isn't it, for us as managers? Some important tips there. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, what you need to know about guarantees with Matt Wicks from Baker Love Lawyers. 
Also spoken with Christina about some of those innovative products that are coming on the market. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll visit the world of tax with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants. Have a chat with uh, Christina again about innovation and some more business and legal news and views that may affect your business. I'd love your company again for business and law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as someone, that's Mr Anonymous, once said, do one thing every day that scares you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.